Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Welcome, everyone. This is uh, Glenn Harper from Harper CPA Plus and... Julie Smith, the barista. The barista in charge. Uh, we got our great guest today. We've got uh, Wayne Shelton and Ryan Kahn of Shelton Associates and CS Business Consulting um, out of Paducah, Kentucky. And my question is, is that near Podunk BFE or where is that at? Well, Paducah, Kentucky, we are uh, Western Kentucky. We are so far west in Kentucky that we actually drive right across the river north into Illinois. Well, and actually, we're about, we're about halfway between uh, Possum Trot and Monkey's Eyebrow. Yeah. I know, right where that is. Down. That's yeah, a great place to be. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, I guess the first thing we want to do is kind of share with our guests, what exactly do you guys, uh, what do you guys do? What's your business that you're in as an entrepreneur? Yeah, great question. So we uh, we run an accounting firm. Wayne and I are partners at Shelton Associates CPA, which is our you know our first love and our, our primary uh, engagement. We have uh, uh, transitioned from a full service accounting firm where we have historically considered ourselves like a tax factory, and we now specialize in being advisors and having relationships with our clients and, and working with them to just. Uh, establish their best practices, build a long-lasting, mutually beneficial relationship where they can reach their financial goals through our expertise, through our advice, and, and through our uh, building with them over time. We ultimately want to reduce their, their tax footprint, their tax liability. Make them tax efficient. Make them tax efficient, that's right. And uh, audit-proof them you know, while building a, a long-lasting relationship over time. And ultimately, things like uh, bookkeeping, compliance, like payroll taxes, sales taxes, and, and the big tax return. That's just a byproduct of us having a relationship. We fully transition to being an accounting firm like that instead of just breaking out tax returns all the time. That sounds like a horrible business model. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's an easier way to make money, I'll tell you that. <laughs> gotcha. But the, uh, it's, it's definitely a better business model than what we came from, which is why we're, we're enjoying it a lot. We're having a lot more fun. Uh, I always tell people, and even our clients, as, as we bring them on or work with them, is that, you know, selfishly, this is a lot more fun. I get to watch your success. I get to see your eyes pop when you realize the impact um, some of this planning has on your situation. And just selfishly, it's very rewarding to watch people grow and succeed and drive their businesses further. And it's nice for us to have a fairly focused uh, type of business that we are working in now, rather than trying to be all things to all people, which is what we did. People would come in and say, "Can you do this?" Sure, we can do that. You know. Now you use that. You use that F word, fun. You're having fun now. It can't possibly be because you met Glenn and I. So, what are you doing that's so fun? How did you make that transition? 
Well, you and Glenn would probably be the major contributors, of course. <laughs> uh, well, well we you know. It, we made a <laughs> we made a, a mental shift, right? We we changed our mindset, and we decided we don't want to be stuck in the grind anymore. Now, of course, even with the model that we're on, there's still a tax, and there's still a deadline from the government entities, and those have to be accomplished. But we don't have this insane spike for you know three months in the winter and spring, and then a, a big lull in the action until you know a couple of the deadlines show up. We have consistent work all year round that empowers our staff, keeps our clients engaged, and uh, it's, it's just more fun. Literally, it's more fun to know that I'm getting more product out of my staff, I'm getting more value into the hands uh, of my uh, clients, and ultimately growing the firm and, and prospering while doing that. So yeah, it's definitely more fun building relationships and helping people succeed. Now, Ryan, you have an interesting background, and that's probably why you and I hit it off so so quickly, is neither one of us have know anything about a 10 key, essentially. Do you want to talk a little bit about where you were, where you are, and kind of how Wayne played a role into that? Sure. So I'll give you uh, as much of a Reader's Digest version as I can. But um, I originally went to Harding University down in Arkansas, which is where I met my wife, Natalie, and that is Wayne's daughter. So Wayne is my father-in-law for any of the the viewers or listeners that, that didn't know that ahead of time. And uh, I was a law enforcement for 12 years, serving locally at law enforcement. So I graduated college, I played football, that's where I met Natalie, and then uh, we moved back to Duke and I became a cop. And I worked there for 12 years. Uh, My job very much graduated into, on top of my regular duties, into being an instructor, a mentor, a trainer of adults. And in over 17 different disciplines, I was teaching and training law enforcement how to survive, how to best investigate. And I was leading undercover drug units, I was leading a SWAT team, I was doing firearms training, active shooter training, riot training, just some really cool stuff. But ultimately, when when Wayne came to me, I had to leave all of that and go with the action is taxes. Yeah. And so we uh, we ended up, he made me uh, an opportunity to where I could partner up with him, become a partner at the firm, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Um, and he was very savvy, and he was looking down the road at the future, realizing that he was growing his business. He knew it could be more and wanted more. Uh, as a, a traditional accountant, he didn't necessarily have the tools to uh, put in lots of these leadership principles and these, these staff principles, and, uh, you know, some HR, some workflow, some all kinds of things. Well, that's literally what I did. I had to take 12 guys into a house in a critical situation, do them all work perfectly as a team so no one got hurt and the bad guy gets captured. We'll dial that down a level. We have to take eight or nine people at our firm, and now 13, we've grown that much, um, and get them all to coordinate, all to work as a team so that no tax return falls through the cracks, no client gets upset, and the relationship is good. And we built systems over time, and uh, we eventually put that workflow, put that process, put that job responsibility and culture in place to where it really allowed us to just, to just absolutely explode. I'm just going to say that Wayne had to be one hell of a marketer to lure you away from all that other excitement to the accounting world of excitement. That's impressive, Wayne. How did you how yeah. did you put the pressure on him? It is. It is. It's impressive. It's yes. very impressive. Well, I always tell people, Wayne could sell a uh, ketchup popsicle to a lady in white gloves on the 4th of July. So he's, he's good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. When uh, the, the one thing you said earlier about the fun, you know, People think, you know, you have to be serious in what you do as an entrepreneur, and it's really important business, especially dealing with people's money, especially, you know, you know, Ryan, back when you're, you know, you got hostile situations, life and death situations, you know, accounting's not quite like that, but we are talking about people's money, and that's a big deal, right? So the question is, is how did you recognize that 
the industry that you're in, I guess that we're all in here, that you had to bring a little bit of levity, a little bit of an excitement, a little bit of fun, and it's not just grind it down and just be so serious all the time. It sounds exhausting. How did how did you make that transition from being like, hey, we got to make the donuts to, hey, let's make some donuts? How did you do that? Yeah, um, well, so again, that carried over from law enforcement. One of the things that was great about our, our local agency uh, was that we believed in training and we believed in preparing uh, the staff and the officers to be the best, and that carried over here. We wanted to empower our staff. And so that was a big part of it. And so if the staff is no longer a backdoor person that just gets reports fed going and they have to do data entry and compliance all day long in some back room because they're new or young or haven't been on the job for five years to get you know a, a shot in a senior position, we start empowering them. They take ownership of their situation. They take ownership of their clients. They get excited like, well, I get to do you know the bigger work, the bigger stuff. And I'm also getting to see the results as well. The clients love it more because they're getting a team approach. It's not just Mike. It's not just Ryan that they can talk to and get their answers from. Um, there's a lot of times, you know, we're running the phone. We're not available. And so the quickest source to their answer is to this other person. So by empowering our staff, we made it more fun for them, more fun for us. And again, we're, we're pretty big into relationships. So I actually ask, you know, I care about your money and where it's going when the tax situation is. But I care about your family and the success of your business and what type of headaches you're going through and just being a little bit of that, that counselor, that, that relationship. You know, we, we can be kind of a, a little bit of a, more than just accountants and number guys to be honest. We literally have a human conversation with them to establish that relationship. And, you know, one of the, one of the big differences that I can see is now that we are focused on a, a smaller section of business of what we're trying to do, we're able to really watch everything that happens. So if they come up with a new government program, which they, as you guys know, have come up with 10 of them in the last two years, uh, they changed the rules on all of them multiple times. But because we are really focusing on the planning part, we stayed up on top of all that stuff. And our clients appreciate it because they know that they are maxim maximizing what they can get from the government and doing everything right on these type programs. And it has made a huge difference. And uh, because there's so many uh, other firms that are not doing anything in, in regards to those type issues. So Ryan talks a lot about team and empowering Wayne before you had Ryan and you lured him away from, you know, his day job. Did you kind of have the same culture or were you able to completely change that culture when when Ryan came in? When did you have that aha moment that the team is so important? Probably after about six months, Ryan had been here. And, you know, one of the things that, because Ryan's my son-in-law, and, and, you know, I, I kind of knew the type of training that he had gone through. And one of the things people do not realize is police officers are probably the best trained people in the world. They're the best vetted when it comes to uh, interviews and background checks. I mean, when they do a background check on a potential officer, they go to his hometown and interview people. You think we ever do that? You know? So I guess my point is these people are highly trained and they are usually highly motivated. They are the top-notch people. Because, and because of that, and we know that now, uh, we've got two, what, two, two, well, one other retired police officers working with us and two police officers' wives that are working with us. So, uh, you know, we, we understand where those people have been and the type of training and the leadership training they have, which is far superior to anything we even have available. 
So when Ryan came in and and brought that into us and we started converting that over, I mean, my office was a train wreck. We had people going 18 different directions. And that's pretty good with only eight people, okay? But we've changed all that, and we've got a totally different culture, and it pretty much turned over the whole staff in a three-year period. So I'm trying to get my head around, how can you bring in, are you you discounting the importance of accountants and suggesting that, you don't have to be an accountant to do accounting work and tax work. That's that's insane. How can that possibly be? It, it, it's like magic. I don't know, uh, <laughs> but it is really true. I'll tell you, there's so many principles that carry over from one job to another job, and leadership is a big thing that police officers are trained, and they have a ton of ton of stuff that they talk about with leadership training. How many classes do we have in leadership training, Glenn? I think that'd be zero, wouldn't it? Well, I, you know, it talks you, you know, how do you make a good cocktail? I think I've had that class before. Uh, yeah, that's a different issue. Oh, that yeah, there you go. Well, right. I, can, I can attest that he's probably had negative classes in, in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we're not trained to do that, you know. These guys are, and uh, it's, uh, it's been a real eye for me. Well, it's always good to have like a dirty Harry on your staff, so that's important because then they can go rogue, and that's always exciting. Yeah, we're the safest office in town. That's right. So, what uh, what exactly? You know, everybody has these bad habits that we work for to make money to go support those bad habits. What is it actually? I like asking entrepreneurs this: What is it that you actually do that makes you money? What is that thing that you do? Is it is it the task of doing a tax return? Is it the task of leading a team? Is it being uh, proactive with your clients? What is the thing you think you do that generates the revenue for your firm? Yeah, well, ours is that that advisory piece. You know, so we we get a, a the very, planning part, the planning part, of it, that planning advisor. We we bring people on board, or we're really finishing off our, our list of existing clients. But when we bring somebody on board, uh, on board, they have a situation, a business they're running that it has various disasters going on in it, and a lot of them impact their taxable situation severely. So we come in and we apply that advisory service. We usually our average person that comes on board gets four meetings. And so in those four meetings, we charge a premium price because we're going to basically reset the, their situation and get them pushed off in the right direction. That has an incredible value for that client, not just in dollars, but in stress and anxiety and time. You know, and, and just think about onboarding somebody whose payroll and, and bookkeeping is all just money and crazy or advising them how to do that better, teaching and training what you're doing, or taking it on ourselves with an advisory component to it. I mean, they just free up a ton of time to go run their business and make money, you know, building widgets, doing construction, mowing lawns, whatever it may be, uh, running hotel rooms, and now we're onboarding the financial side of things while giving the advisory on how to do things better on a daily basis for them. And, and, and that's you know, that's where we make our money. The tax term, yeah, that's factored in our show. We do go for a tax term. But that premium advisory is what people want. It's what they're asking and begging for, and that's where we make our, our biggest value. Our biggest value. And I'll tell you something, and this Ryan and I have this conversation weekly because we, we're, we've we been onboarding since for the last probably two months, two people a week on advisory maintenance. Uh, but it, I am amazed at what poor advice professionals are giving out to their clients. I, I tell Ryan every week, I said, I cannot believe this. Look at this mess that these people have created. Supposedly, you know, CPAs that have got many years experience. And uh, people are not, in my opinion, 
trying to work with their clients and help them in the tax planning area. They're just not doing it. And that I feel like that is a failing of our profession, you know. Uh, but I think we're fixing it. Great. So you're suggesting then that it's not just touching a few numbers in a tax return and that's all the people need. You're suggesting that they need something more than that. Absolutely. They need and, and a lot of times they don't even know that they need it. But uh, what we see is that they do and they don't even know where they're hemorrhaging all this money. You know, we will. We, in the last year, we probably onboarded 30 clients that had a Schedule C that was very successful and they were paying $15,000 in, un- in the self-employment tax when they could have probably made that 25% of that. And when we tell people that, the first thing, <laughs> some of them, what they do is they get actually mad, yep. not at us, but they say, I have for the, for the last 10 years, I've been paying $15,000 too much. That's, I could buy a house with that, you know? Uh, so it's, uh, it's kind of nice to see people realize what you're doing for them. I think that the, when that happens, I think for, for me anyway, when we have that conversation, it has to focus on, hey, now, now, let's not be looking backwards. Let's look forwards. We can't talk about the sins of the past. Let's move forward because it is an emotional gut punch for people when they realize that kind of thing. And so I feel like then you're prob- what you're probably trying to say is that the, the, the thing you do that makes you guys money and profitable is giving the advice that helps other people become profitable, make money, and keep more money. Is that a fair statement? Yes, sir. So, Ryan and Wayne, you've kind of built this successful business. You've transitioned your team. You guys have transitioned your mindset. What is your dream now? What do do you see happening now that you look forward, as, as Glenn said, and not at the sins of the past? So we're, we're still growing in, in a couple areas. We want to, we kind of have a, a needs last vision, uh, maybe over office. We, we've grown, we have, we have 13 people now. Um, and that was when I came on board, you know, I made eight and we quickly hired like a part-time person nine. Um, and then we went down to eight. Now we're up to 13 and we've grown strategically and we're about to outgrow our building. One more person probably make us first. Um, and we may have a need for that soon. So that's kind of our, our dream is to grow. I don't want to get too large. You know, I probably don't want to have more than 20 people. Wayne may want to take it to 2,000. I don't know. But I want to, I want to manage at most maybe two offices of 20 people in the future. I want to be more optional by 41, 42. Um, you know, Wayne, he's, this is his By age or 90? Yeah, Wayne, I'll, I'll be retired before Wayne gets. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> yeah. But we, we've also really uh, branched out into a couple of areas like this uh, uh, this business leadership and doing that. We actually market that as a separate advisory product as well. Um, we're going up to uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin to, to teach a firm for two days. You know, they've engaged us to teach for two days on site at their annual meeting. You know, partners they're, meeting, they're, which they're 100 person. 100 staff, five locations. We're going to go in there and really try to get them. Uh, put in place, get all those locks set, get that foundation set so they can grow in a similar fashion, hopefully better for learning from our mistakes along the way. And, you know, that's that's kind of our next vision is to make even the advisory services of our accounting practice as autonomous as possible, right? So unless there's just real specialty needs, Wayne and I can swoop in and maybe solve some of those really, you know, kind of unicorn scenarios like, okay, let's get into this. Um, but other than that, teach and train other people how to get to this model. Move around the country, help people with that. Um, travel and speak and teach. And you know, one of the things we've been very fortunate about is we've hired some outstanding staff. Uh, and we are looking at them to take over more of the day to day type stuff. 
And we've, we've made a couple of strategic hires just lately that we're very excited about. And we can already tell that that's working out. So, yeah. so that's, that's going to be a really good thing for us. And, and I'm like, Ryan, you know, I, he will probably retire way before me, but if, you know, after tax season, I tried it last year, but it didn't work out too well. I'm going to try to go to four days a week, but you know, we're having so much fun. And, you know, the traveling and the teaching, all that stuff is a lot of fun to us. We both love to travel. We take all our families when we do it. And uh, so, I mean, we're, just, we're having a good time. So are you, you just said earlier that you don't want to get too big because it's a lot of work to do. And then in the same breath, a typical entrepreneur, psychos that we are, you're like, well, we're going to start these other wings in business and do all this and this and this. So, you know, the the mind of an entrepreneur is a very dangerous place for people to be. And uh, and people that don't, aren't one, they it's hard for them to comprehend. So the end game can't be, oh, I'm going to uh, have the greatest advisor practice ever. There, It never ends, does it? I mean, there, it just doesn't ever stop. You know, Wayne, you said you, you might retire. I can't understand why you would retire. You're having too much fun. You're doing things you enjoy now. So is that a true statement that entrepreneurs generally just never really stop? It is true. I, I think so. The, um, and we see a lot of them. Yeah, well, and I say work optional. Like, I won't have to come in. Like I said, it will be autonomous, so I can free up a lot more travel and play. And, you know, by that point, my first kid will be in college, and so I can I can do the helicopter dad a little bit more down there, hanging out, seeing his events, stuff like that. Um, you know, and again, one thing I've always wanted to do in life, and again, I'll just be flat honest with you, I was a poor cop on a single salary. You know, my wife was homeschooled and stuff like that. I couldn't travel. I couldn't chase my dreams. I showed up to work every day and served my community. Well, now, uh, as an entrepreneur, I control more of my schedule, pretty much all of it, um, except for when, you know, Lisa tells me what to do, which is good. <clears throat> and then we, we get to do that. So my kids have actually had a, a broader future because they're getting more culture and travel and things like that going along with me. Um, so that has allowed me to chase my dreams. I'm only more optional where I can dedicate myself to that, you know. Well, and he's got four kids, and at least two of them, have, you know, have worked down here at the office, and they help us and do some stuff like that. So we're hoping that another generation will fall right in, you know, uh, after we kind of slow down a little bit. I think one of the, the cool things about this podcast is we, we call it the empowering the entrepreneurs. And what you said a little bit a minute ago, uh, Ryan, was that you feel empowered because you kind of figured out how to do, not do business where you're doing the work, but you're building a business and when you are building a business, you're more and more empowered because you have other people helping you on the team. And, and you know, from your background and going from a police officer to this, I think that you, you felt like you had to have that team around you to do that because it's not like you want to tell people what to do. You empower people to make their own decisions, but you're now empowered. And Wayne, I'd say you're probably empowered. And when you have that different mindset, that's a whole different game. How would you respond to that? I think you're getting on a, uh, a really big topic is that a lot of, again, you have a certain type of personality that makes up your standard, I would say your stereotypical or majority accountant, and a lot of that has to be hands-on. I don't necessarily call it micromanaging, but there's a lot of control and knowledge that has to control. be Control. You know, it's, it's the control of, like, I need to make sure I'm in on every decision. Uh, well, what we want to do is we want to, again, empower our people say, hey, I've given you this sheet. You literally have a piece of paper that says this is Ryan's brains and beliefs and the way that he wants his directions to be carried out. And you don't need me. If you have a critical decision to be made, I am unavailable. You look at that sheet and make a decision according to it, and you will never fail me, right? 
And so they are now empowered. They can go have initiative. They can take this home. They get a real kink, and there's a couple of triggers we need to hold accountable. But they can now go out and they can move and groove and produce without the fear of the boss constantly chopping on and trying to figure out exactly what, what my new shit needs to be done right. And you go A, B, and C, don't you dare do X, Y, and Z. And they know that they can be empowered through training, through uh, well written policy, through uh, well written leadership documents, and things like that. And uh, when we watch our staff just grow, and they just come to me saying, hey, it's not, it's not. If I ever question something, it's like, hey, I'm done. Or, oh, no, we're waiting on the client for that piece of information. And then it will be done. Like, oh, this is fantastic. I don't have to hunt everybody down every day in my office uh, or try to, you know, just track them down or track down the project. And, and that that has been one of the major gateways to us being able to do Yeah, and I, and I tell you, I can tell kind of a major breakthrough that we've made in the last two months, in my opinion, working with the staff. And we've got some fairly young staff, really good, good with people, smart, and they've been watching us deliver these uh, advisory and maintenance services for the last year or two. And they have started kind of taking ownership to that stuff. And it's really, really nice to see some of the younger staff uh, prepare the planners, get everything ready for a meeting with the client, and for them to have done 80%, 90% of the work, that's what we're looking for because we we can't do all the work. You know, we only have so many hours in the day. And, you know, if we don't pass this stuff off and empower some other people to do it, we're, we've limited ourselves. So what we're trying to do is not limit ourselves. So by empowering your staff, you've kind of become a mentor and been able to kind of mentor them through this and given them the shortcut that Wayne and Ryan, it took you a couple years to kind of get on your feet and do. Wayne, I know you uh, probably started this journey long before Ryan, but what was that? um, Did you have a mentor when you started or did you find one halfway through? What did that kind of look like or did anyone guide you as you kind of went through this? You know, probably so, and it was it was probably earlier in my career. I, I was a partner in two other firms uh, before I started my own firm, and I, I think I learned from some of the older guys, and some of them are not even around anymore. You know, they retired or, or died, and uh, but to see how they work. Uh, but I will say that the way that, that that the other firms work, and still some of them still work this way, is they are not giving. The customer what they're really needing they're giving them what they want to give them uh it's really very unusual to me that our professional has profession has done that is we have said here's what we're going to offer you even though you might not even want it and uh but that has been that way for 30 or 40 years and uh but i think it's changing and i think the way of the future is working with clients closely uh and i know you guys do that and let me tell you that is a critical thing for your clients uh, I hope they do appreciate what it is because uh, it, it's it is a different way of working with people and it makes them a whole lot better firms. Now, Ryan, do you think in some way, shape or form, Wayne was a mentor to you when you kind of started? You kind of came in with a completely different skill set than he had, but he had a different skill set than you had. And you together, you guys were able to kind of put something special together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. You know, I came in and I have a weird background. So as I went through school, I got a math and physics double major, tradition in criminal justice. And so I've never been afraid of numbers. I've always been kind of a pretty big nerdy guy as far as that stuff goes. And so that didn't scare me. But I told Wayne, I said, Wayne, I, I don't know how to do taxes. And he goes, man, I can teach a monkey to do taxes. I need you to come on here and do this other stuff. 
because he was seeing the future. I mean, huge kudos to him. But no, I was having a disaster is what I was having. I didn't see anything. Wayne, take the compliment, run with it. I'll take it. Okay, I'll take it. And so the uh, and so when I came in here, I had to learn on purpose from the bottom up. I said, "Hey, I want to do the lowest level grunt work. Hey, I'm a person open face, but I want to do the lowest level grunt work and learn what every staff is doing all the way up the chain." While uh, at the same time, we had in six to nine months we already started our advisory services because we knew it took me literally one month, one month to say, "There's a better way. We can do this different." Right. Um, and so we started working on making those change and rolled out a, a giant advisory package. And in doing that, I was learning from the top down, the highest level of advice and making major changes for the uh, small business, something like that, while doing all the grunt work that happens in the county from my way up. So I was literally, education-wise, burning the candle from both ends. And uh, I got to learn a ton. And Wayne was like, hey, here's what's going to happen. We would go into the meetings and we'd have the topics prepared. And we would, Know what this client's looking for, and he would walk me through everything. And I would try to do my best to look it up in the tax manual or uh, some of the resources that have been studied. <clears throat> and I was able to start jumping in, answering questions. It all makes sense. It just clicked really quickly because it's very much like there might be around the island 14 major issues that uh, a business or a client is going to have to deal with. And what five or six issues out of the spectrum does this client have? What five or six does that one have? Well, if you know how to tackle those, those primary issues, you can just plug and play from client to client, and only the numbers change a little bit. So Wayne showed that to me. I thought everything was going to be um, very just high level, super technical, you know, uh, real down the weed stuff, because you're not tax manual, that's a big boy. I was like, oh my gosh, we have to memorize this whole thing in order to help clients. No, we went into the mindset of thinking we we're gonna have to play chess, chess against a Russian grandmaster, right? But in reality, these businesses don't want to play checkers. They don't want to play checkers. That's exactly and, it. And so we went in there like, oh my gosh, let's put the, you know, have these pieces here and put it in place, otherwise your business won't function. And, and that's where, where I learned of the mentorship there. I mean, I felt like I was learning like a rocket ship taking off. It was, again, exciting because I'm a nerd and like learning, but it's also exciting because I was able to capture everything quickly and then immediately put it in play. So, you know, Wayne, the ability for I think I know you enough. I can say this for for the for the old guy, the Mister Potter, and it's a Wonderful Life, greatest movie of all time. To all of a sudden say, "Wait a minute, I need to recognize that I have to get the transition team in here." How hard was that for you to say, "I'm ready for that. I found somebody to do that, and I'm going to empower them to do that and go along with that." Was that a hard decision for you? You know, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it probably was, but I was. I was so unhappy with where we were. I was really glad to just say, just do something if it's the wrong thing, you know, because we had, we had eight staff and everybody was going in different directions. I'm not kidding. I it, it was really bad. People did not have the same goals. They didn't even have the same values. And that is one of the things I think that, that Ryan has made the biggest change is the way he interviews people, the, you know, I mean, we, we interview people not for their, you know, having a master's in taxation. We want somebody that can relate to people and wants to relate to people. And that's a different thing. And that is not really normal in our profession. You know, people usually want to stay behind the scenes. That's not where the action is. And so Ryan has, has just jumped right in there with that and it helped us get staff uh, that, that see the dream, see the thing we're trying to do. How, how long before you brought Ryan in did you know about this the right way to do business 
as an advisory firm. Was that did it happen after Ryan came on board or before? After Ryan came on board, okay. and, and it was really funny. He brought on a really large client that wanted a significant tax plan. And so we said, yeah, sure, we can do that. Like we always say, we can do whatever, right? We can always do it. Always. And uh, so then we went about trying to figure out how to do it and how to deliver it, which was a big problem. And uh, we could have done it. I think we could have, but it would have taken us a couple of years and we wouldn't have made any money because that's all we'd have been doing. So we hooked up with Thompson Reuters. We went to one of their meetings and saw the opportunity that we had to work with Thompson Reuters on this type thing. And... We we immediately signed up for that, and we have not looked back. But Ryan, the nice thing is, about it is Ryan was a part of that from day one, so he gets the whole picture. He wasn't corrupted. Correct. That's exactly right. He was no bad habits. Yep. So what, you know, every entrepreneur kind of has this, uh, they, they, you know, forge through the desert, through the arid mountaintop, through the rainforest, just hacking away, trying to figure things out until they finally recognize and discover, I guess, their superpower. And like, this is what I was meant to do. When did that happen for each of you? <laughs> so uh, I guess my story is a little different because uh, I always had a calling, even from when I was in like middle school and high school, you know, I, I did things where I was teaching and coaching people. I was, you know, like volunteer programs and, you know, little school side projects. And then, uh, you know, in college, I even helped out and taught a little bit. But when I went to law enforcement, I was teaching and training people. I had my regular jobs, but I felt a knack and a calling for presenting, for teaching, imparting information, and getting to, like, my passion became, how do I make people better, right? How, how do I make everyone around me better? How can how can I do that? I don't have all the knowledge. I'm not some, you know, magical wizard of wisdom. You know, I just, maybe I can engage people and explain things simply enough where they can grasp a hold of it, take it, and use it. And so uh, I started that journey in law enforcement. I was capped, right? I always had to answer to somebody. I always had a higher-up official to get permissions to try to run training and pull up my programs a certain way. And, of course, everyone else got their influence. I was just a man that had to go carry it out. Uh, or when I came here, my passion exploded because now I get to control that. Whatever it was. Uh, Wayne, I knew this from being, you know, him being my father-in-law for, for 15, 16 years, is that he loved talking with people, um, very extroverted, and he loved telling stories and applying that to the real world and getting, he liked doing that already, but unfortunately there was not a formalized way to do it. And so we use the, the kind of cliche or metaphor in our speeches now that we were sprinkling advice on people's situations. It was not formal, there wasn't a package, there wasn't an A to Z, you know, like, here's your start, here's your finish. And it would just kind of happen and it was very reactionary uh, to the client's needs. And so I think, I don't want to speak too much for Wayne, but I think he was fulfilling his passion in a way, but it was always truncated because there, was, there wasn't a, a pure venue to unload that. And so when we came on here and we created that venue, that platform, we can now both execute both of our passions, which is teaching, educating, training, and him is making that impact on people. So for mine, started long ago, but really was allowed to just out of blossom once we got here. But, but you need to know this. When you reach a superpower, what did they say your superpower was at the police department? It's, it's well known. My, my superpower is persistence and annoyance. I will annoy people until I get what I want. There you go. Yeah. And so I it was, works. It's a superpower. Yeah. And, and I'm nice about it, but it's just you know, <laughs> the squeaky wheel gets the grease while I've got four squeaky wheels. How about you, Wayne? Uh, you know, you know, I think that. Believe it or not, after being in this business for 47 years, I think I finally. About two years ago is when I when I figured out that 
this is what we want to do. Because like Ryan said, we enjoy both enjoy teaching. We've we we've actually done. Uh, I'm, I'm the deacon for security at my church. He's the deacon for security at his church. And we have actually taught other churches how to do church security. We've traveled around, done a bunch of stuff. We really love doing that stuff. So, I mean, whatever area it is, we like to teach. So uh, That was my side business as a cop. Yes. Yeah. I had to make more money. And we, we, had, we had fun with that. And uh, But I, th- I, th- I think we finally figured it out as to where we want to go and where we want to be with this. And, you know, we're really comfortable with it and really happy with it. So I guess a, a point to make this for anybody who might be listening to this uh, podcast is as an entrepreneur, you might not have it all figured out, but you got to stay committed. You got to stay focused. You got to keep struggling. You got to keep grinding. You got to meet people. You got to go out and get mentors. And again, Ryan, you just said something earlier that just cracked me up, but like sharing advice as an accountant is like the antichrist. We just never do that. Like we want to keep all that information proprietary. So the second you start putting that information out there and sharing the knowledge and teaching and empowering, that's when the magic happens. I mean, that's what we've found. And I think any entrepreneur that's out there is nobody's you. They can't do what you do. So don't be scared to put out what you want to do and how you want to do it because you're going to get some great feedback and you're going to probably get where you want to be quicker than if you were just to hold that all internally. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I kind of actually teach people on the human condition, right? So one of my, my pet peeves and my, my leadership philosophy is people that hoard their expertise, hoard their skill set, and don't share it or impart it to other people, right? So that, that takes me off. We're part of the team, and you should be sharing your expertise and helping and, and teaching other people your skill set. And so as a human, we falsely believe that we are more valuable to others if we hold on that, if we have all of that power. But the problem is you're not. You've created a silo, and now you're, you're standing alone like an island, and you're less valuable. And the other side of that coin is that now when we decide, okay, I need to impart my knowledge, my wisdom, my advice, my expertise, um, we also feel like we have to do that immediately and for free, right? Well, if you do that immediately and for free as an accountant, hey, I want to help people, I want to get this advice out there, you're effectively Google. Right? How much do we value Google? Well, we don't. It's a free search engine. I can get all the answers I want. So if we're not building a value-based package, if we're not imparting that in a, a systematic way that brings a mutually beneficial relationship, then the client doesn't see us as valuable. We may have all the knowledge in the world, but they can just click a button like on Google and then get all the information from their accountant for free. You have no value. They'll go to the next search engine as soon as you try to change the marks. So you have to impart your value that I make from your product that does an exact custom situation for you and if you want to tap into this resource, um, I'm actually going to do it for you. I'm going to build this package with you. Now I'm valuable. You spent money on me. They're going to look at you as like, hey, I'm paying for this account. So I'm going to pay attention to advice. Or if Google tells me something, ah, the internet could be lying to me today, right? No, you're going to pay for that advice. It's going to be a premium. And now you're going to have true value because you cost something to that client. And your information is not instant and free. And you're not hoarding that information either, wasting yourself an island. So you're going to fulfill both sides of that point. So the takeaway is, is there anything in your both of your careers that, again, we don't like looking backwards. It's, it's a, a learning thing. Um, you, want, you don't want to like uh, waller in that. But if you could look back and advice, because the perspective of this podcast is to give other entrepreneurs that aha moment to like, oh, my gosh, if I just would do that. Like, what would you look back and go, gosh, if I would had just known X a long time yeah, ago, yeah. I would be like money today. Right. Yeah. You know, I think what in this profession, 
the people that are on the firms, and there are thousands of small firms like us around this country, thousands. But what we don't do is when, when we run into a problem, like I was running into a problem with leadership and with management and all that type thing, and instead of looking out and trying to find a professional in that area, because there are people that are a lot smarter than me you know, in some of these areas, don't try to do it yourself. Try to find somebody that is an expert in that and take advantage of their abilities. You, you, you can't know everything, you know. And uh, I was just, I was so burnt out with trying to manage and do the leadership thing. I was just done with it. And uh, if, if I would, had gotten somebody that was a professional manager a long time ago, I'd have been way ahead. How about you, Ryan? You just started off, you're just a newbie, but. Um... Yeah, uh, well, I mean, even from past lives and current life, you know, um, trying to do it all yourself, right? That That is a, a consistent downfall. I watched my mentors and leaders in law enforcement succeed and fail based on how they were able to delegate, right? Based on how they were able to step back. And, and you know, there's this image of, you know, the airplane is flying, right? And the leader is supposed to have a 50,000 foot view. He can see the whole map and he can make sure that all the things are coordinated underneath them. And, you know, you have, you know, in the law enforcement, you would have, you know, some type of major captain, sergeant, and then patrolman. And patrolman's down there, literally on the ground level, doing everything. The sergeant's the helicopter, you know, and then the, uh, the, the captain is, you know, that, that standard plane. It goes up and down. Well, a lot of our business owners, we're trying to get down there on the ground level and do all the ground work. Well, you can't run a warning plane. You can't run a police department that way. You can't run an accounting firm. You can't run a retail store that way. The, the, we got to get our eyes up and outward looking at running our businesses. <clears throat> So my business, my advice would kind of echo what Wayne is saying is put the tools in place. What are those internal tools? What are those tools are our staff members positioned in the right way? What are those tools are marketing and stuff like that? I don't want to call people tools, but what I'm saying is put the, the elements in place that you need to, to make that happen so that you can get your head up and you can get your eyes out and forward looking at your business and get out of the weeds. You only need to swoop down for a minute if there's a crisis. Help resolve the crisis and then get back up to 50,000 feet. And I'm still struggling with that. It's a, it's a daily struggle. Now, again, you're going to have routine tasks as an owner where you know you need to make yourself available for those people that need that advice from you. They need that problem solving from you. And you've got you know, your set of work that you're still going to have to accomplish. But if you get down in the weeds, you're taking yourself away from that set of work. You're taking yourself away from imparting that knowledge to staff and from handling those crises. And then everything becomes urgent and crises grow if you're not getting up now. So if I could wrap that up in one sentence, I would say you're suggesting people should get out of their own way. Yeah, that's a phrase. Yeah, I've heard you guys quite. That is absolutely right. The owners need to get out of their own way. They need to let go of the steering wheel. I'm working on that, Julie. I know, I know. <laughs> but, and sometimes not very successfully, but, you know, I mean, what do you do, right? So I'll, I'll throw this one little tidbit of advice for our listeners. And effectively, when you start a business, you got to recognize that some things are expenses and some, some things are investments. And if you have, a, if you're going to start a business and you're not well capitalized, you're either going to have to get advice from mentors, or you're going to have to go, basically invest in that advice. And the sooner you do that on your journey, the more quickly you will recognize the successes that you're looking for. And so that would be my advice. Would you guys agree with that for our listeners? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, there as you're starting out a new business, there are three or four people that are key. You know working with a good CPA that does planning is one of them, having a good attorney is one of them, having a good insurance guy is one of them. Those, you know, those are very important people for your business. And if you don't have all those people, you need to get them. Agreed. Probably a good masseuse, a good banker, good hair guy, all that stuff. 
Well, hey, thanks for uh, dialing in from down in Kentucky and appreciate it, uh, your time with us. And I hope our listeners find some value in that. And again, thanks for joining us. This is Glenn Harper signing off. And Julie Smith. At Harper and Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.